gather, ye friends, round your flickering campfires and listen to tales of daring, horror and high adventure from the worn pages of history. Set aside your homeschooling timetable and turn instead to us, your storytellers, for all your educative needs. Because we are back! We're back, baby! Season two! Who'd have thunk it? I never dreamed we'd get commissioned for season two. Um, we haven't been commissioned. What? You mean? Yep, still doing it for free. No! It's like one of those dreams where you wake up only to find that you're still dreaming. Except... This isn't a dream. This is a nightmare. At least I'm not just standing in my underpants. But, Tombo, you are standing in just your underpants. <gasps> oh, don't worry. So am I. <gasps> it's been a little while since the last episode. Let us refresh the listener's memory. Who are we? And what are we? I am your dear Uncle Bob-Bob, history fondler and jest tyrant. I'm Tombo, philanthropic shed huddler. I am Uncle Bilbo. Every man wants to be me, and every mum wants to be with me. And I am the semi-professional fact wrangler known only as the Pear Bear. This is... The Silly History Boys Shoe! Oh, I haven't done that for ages, and my life has been increasingly rudderless as a result. Lovely. Oh, lovely. Got the reverb going. Oh, ho, ho, we're back. Well, you know, it is good to be back, but with all the extra editing I've been doing, it's like I've never been away. Oh, yes, it's very nice to be back. I mean, I, all I was doing was just sort of waking up in the middle of the night doing absolutely nothing but f- sort of trying to deal with a child. Now this makes everything rosier. What are we doing this week? First episode of the new season. I assume we're limping out of the barn with a faint whisper of disappointment and not getting paid. And you would assume correctly, dear Bilbo. This week, we're telling the tale of one of England's most notorious rogues, Mr Richard Dick Turpin. The Dandy Highwayman. Dandy? Nonsense! As we're about to find out, he was about as far from dandy as you can get. Cue the music! Interview commences at 17.05. In attendance are DCI Bilbo, DI Tombo and the accused. Please state your name for the benefit of the tape. I ain't telling you nothing. So you'll cooperate? Excellent. What? You used a double negative, Mr Turpin. If you ain't telling us nothing, it means you will be telling us something. That what I mean, lawman, is you won't be getting nothing from me, yeah? Marvellous. State your name for the tape, please. John Palmer. That's a fib. Your real name, please. All right. Richard Turpin. Thank you, Mr Turpin. Now, let's start at the beginning. The beginning? I don't remember the very beginning. I was born in Hampstead, Essex in 1705 in the Blue Bell Inn, an establishment run by my father, John Turpin. The notorious smuggler? I wouldn't say he was notorious, Gov, but he certainly knew his way around a coastal cave or two. Now then, son, listen closely. We're about to meet some business associates of mine and I do not want you showing me up. Why are we meeting 
any cave on the Norfolk coast. Questions like that, boy, will get you a slap. Sorry, Dad. But to answer your question, the deal we're about to strike is a deal best done in a cave with no witnesses. Are we being naughty? Oh! I warned you. But to answer your question, yes. Now then, John, I see you're doing a spot of 18th century parenting there. This little rascal, your boy, is he? Hello, young man. Hello, suspicious gentleman. You after the usual, Turpin? I am indeed. Ale and spirits brought to the coast in a boat unseen by customs officials. And their pesky taxes. Well, that's good, because I got a whole boatload just here. Not paying taxes? Isn't that against the law, Dad? Ow! You don't get it, do you, lad? Hmm? But to answer your question, yes, it's very much against the law. Hence the old meeting in a cave in the dead of night, you see? does make sense. When we sell these fine, untaxed beverages in the Bluebell, we will make far more money far more quickly than we ever would following the rules. Do what you want. Just don't get caught. That's how we make our living, boy. If you ever want to make any money, son, never follow the rules. This is a valuable life lesson that I will take to heart, Father. Thank you. Ow! You're welcome. Oh, here we go with the sob story. I suppose you're going to blame your father for everything, are you? Never stood a chance, etc, etc. I'm blaming him. It was sound advice. Listen, I tried to do things the proper way. I got apprenticed to a butcher when I was 16. Well, I never got on with my master. He said that I conducted myself in a loose and disorderly manner. And did you? Yeah, probably. He was a right uptight so-and-so he was. Everything had to be done the way he wanted it. Never room for a corner to be cut or a deal to be struck. The only bit of happiness I had at that time was marrying my childhood sweetheart, Betty. It was 1728, and I was 18 by that point, and without her, I probably would have never finished my apprenticeship. And by the time I was done, I couldn't get away fast enough. This would be the point where you set up your own butcher's shop, wouldn't it? Correct. At Buckhurst Hill, Essex. And I was determined to run the establishment in my own way, using my father as an example. Hello, sir. Welcome to the humble and definitely 100% above-board butcher shop. What can I get for you, sir? Pound of sausages, please, young Mr Turpin. Oh, a fine choice, sir. Um, would you like the normal sausages or the wink-wink uh, special sausages? Uh, well, now I don't know. Uh, what's so special about them? Well, let's just say that they are wink-wink discounted. Hmm, I do like a discount. Then, sir, you have come to the right butcher's shop. All of our special stock comes around the back with a wink-wink, five-finger discount, wink-wink. Have you something in your eye? Well, no, I was being wink-wink subtle. Oh, right. Mm. About what? Monkey trousers you're our work, aren't you? Subtle about the fact that most of my stock comes from animals what I have stolen. Stolen? <laughs> Wait a minute. This isn't a definitely 100% above-board meat shop at all, is it? This is an entirely criminal meat shop, stocked with the produce from stolen livestock. Oh, Christmas Eve! Somehow my secret has gotten out! You leave me no choice but to inform the authorities. You will inform of this! Drat! <laughs> missed him. Did you just try to shoot me with a wildly inaccurate flintlock pistol? I did. Now, give me the best part of the minute whilst I reload it and then I will have another go. <laughs> Not if I shoot you first. Drat. Missed. 
It appears we are at an impasse. Perhaps it would be better if I were on my way. Perhaps, unless... Aha! Finished, sir! You're a dead man! Flip! Missed him again. Good day, sir. That, Mr Turpin, is not what happened. There was no shootout in your butcher's shop. Yeah, no, that, that, that is true, Gov, yeah. I, I, I told it that way to make it a bit more interesting with the listener and such. I actually got rumbled with a pair of oxen what did not belong to me. Oxen! Get your oxen! Lovely oxen! Get your oxen, ladies and gentlemen. A lovely pair of oxen here. Nice and fresh. Oh! You, sir, you look like an oxen man to me, sir. Me? Why, yes, I love me some oxen. In fact, I'm, I'm looking for a pair of oxen to replace the two I had stolen just last night. That's why I came to the market today. Well, well, I have some felicitous news for you, good sir, for I have this lovely pair of oxen right here. What are the chances? How much do you want for them? Um... Uh, how about the average price of a pair of oxen circa 1730? That that would seem fair to me, an experienced oxen dealer. And how much is that, then? Um, I, well, um, considering the price of gold standard of the current, current I don't know, Selling a pair of oxen, and you don't know the average price per head circa the year 1730? That's a little suspicious, good fellow. Um, please allow me to examine these oxen. Yes, of course, I mean, no, I mean, why? Well, I won't lie, I'm starting to suspect that you, sir, are the ne'er-do-well who stole my oxen and that you're now trying to sell them back to me. Oh, oh, like that is it, sir? Well, in that case, no, you definitely can't examine them. I'm afraid I must insist. Men? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, no. Minions. Seize him. With pleasure. We'll be oxing you a few questions, Miladio. Question this! Ow! Flip. Missed him. Guess I'm gonna have to do this the old-fashioned way. Again, I don't believe that's what actually happened, Mr. Turpin. It was definitely something like that. Possibly not so glamorous or exciting. In any case, I now had the authorities looking for me, and so I was forced to flee. Leaving my shop and my wife Betty behind, I started living rough in the Essex countryside, before staying a little while in the caves of the East Anglian coast with my dear father's smuggling friends. You didn't stay there long, though, did you? I did not. I still had the authorities hot on my heels, and I didn't want to bring them down on my dad's mates, so I moved to Epping Forest. Northeast of London? The very same. There I met a bunch of lads calling themselves the Gregory Gang, named for its leaders, the brothers Samuel, Jasper and Jeremy Gregory. When I found them, they were all small-time poachers. There's nothing small-time about poaching in Epping Forest, Mr Turpin. That's the King's Forest. 
All animals in there are his. Poaching them is... Treason? Yeah, I know. Undrawn and quartered if you're caught. But you did it anyway. Course, love a bit of poaching, fresh air, stealing, working with animals. Eventually, though, we moved on to robbery. Bit of trial and error at first, but we soon got the hang of it. So, what's the plan again? It's simple, Samuel. Find someone and then take all their stuff. I know that bit, Jasper. What I mean is, how are we going to do the robbing? Both of you shut up. Someone's coming down the road. Oh, it looks like a good one too. Look at that horse he's on and his fancy coat. What if, what if I jump out and then shout, stand and deliver? That's how you're supposed to do it, isn't it? If you want to be dull and unoriginal, yeah. You're dull and unoriginal. Hello, is someone there? Well, that's the element of surprise gone then, isn't it? Right, follow my lead. Oi, you, give us all your stuff. I most certainly will not. Do you know who I am? We don't care, Mr. Fancy Coat. Now, give us your fancy coat. I am a servant of the Earl of Suffolk. Be off with you, oit. Oh, isn't he so full of himself? Servant of the Earl of Suffolk, he says. Get off that horse, sir, or I'll get you off it myself. You wouldn't dare. Oh, wouldn't I? <laughs> Not so high and mighty now, eh? Uh, oh, no. I'm thoroughly bemoddened. I'm going to say this one more time. And I'm going to say it nice and slow, so there's no misunderstandings. Oi, you, give us all your stuff. Yes, sir. Yeah, we um we got a lot better after that. Still, made 80 quid selling his horse, mind. 80 quid? That's not that much. Actually, in March 1735, that was quite a bit. Was it? Tombo, what's that in today's money? Not sure, Bilbo. Hang on. Interview paused at 1735. Pepe, can you come in here, please? On my way. Yes, Gov? What's the modern-day equivalent of £80 circa 1735? Why are you asking me? Because you wrote the script. Uh now I'm going to have to do a Google search. Can't the listener just do it? Of course they can't. You won't catch Bob Bob scrimping on facts, would you? I bet Blackbeard is going to be filled to the brim with interesting tidbits. Get too excited about that. I spent about two hours Wikipediaing masts. All I wanted to do was work out how high it was to get up to the very top of a tall ship. I mean, they call them tall ships, but I cannot find anywhere that will actually tell you how tall they were. So, yes, a very lively one. Bar. Ah, fine. Um. Eighty pound, seventeen thirty-five. Searching. Uh, well, it says here about ten thousand pounds in today's money. I stand corrected, Mister Turpin. That's a pretty penny. Yeah, I oh, know, right? Thank you, Pepper. Now, um, <clears throat> get out. Yes, Gov. Interview resumes in late seventeen thirty-five. And so what happened after you robbed the Earl of Suffolk's servant? We started getting a lot better at robbing people with a bit of practice. Surprise was our game. 
A few weeks after Suffolk's servant, we attacked a man called Sir Caesar Child. Fired as his coachman with nary a warning given. Blew the tip of his nose clean off. He looked very funny. Staggering around without a nose, crying, More nose! More nose! Oh, it was very, very funny. I suppose you had to be there. Still, we made off with £25 on that one. And it was at this point that you diversified? Correct. We then moved on to breaking and entering. There was about 20 of us in the gang. Getting to isolated houses in the countryside was no problem. We got so good at it, in fact, that the king put a price of £50 on our heads, which caused his own problems. Ah, yes, Thomas Morris, the king's forester. That's right, the very same. I do like being a forester in the 18th century But don't ask me for specifics on what that is Cos I'm only in this one short scene Oh, hello there! What brings you to the forest on this fine morning? Me? Ah, oh, don't worry about me, son. In fact, it's best to say that you haven't seen me. But I've clearly seen you. We're having a conversation. I was saying to my wife this morning, Oh, I do hope I encounter someone in the depths of the forest today, wife. That's what I said. Then I can have a lovely conversation and afterwards return home to you and our newborn child, safe and sound. Oh, life is wonderful. That's what I said to her. No word of a lie. Turn around, if you would, sir, and head back the way that you have come. Hang on one moment. Have we met? I swear I know your face. No, we've never met. In fact, we're not even meeting now. So be on your way, my friend. No, no, wait. Wait, I do know you. You're that Dick Turpin from the leaflets. Oh, well, I'm terribly sorry to say it, but, but I think I'm going to have to arrest you. Or... You could not. I'm afraid I must insist. Oh dear. Well, don't say I didn't warn you. You killed that poor man in cold blood. I didn't have much choice. If they'd have taken me in, they'd have hanged me. And I want in the mood. That's your first murder then. Murder? C come on. That's a bit harsh. I, I call it self-defence. After Thomas Morris, what happened? Lawton came next, our most profitable break-in. We got wind that a certain widow Shelley was keeping a large sum of money in her abode. So, we paid her a visit, disguised as Avon ladies. Nah, not really, we just booted the front door in. Stoke up the fire, young Jimmy, me lad. The cold is in me bones, it is. Yes, mother, of course, we'll have those bones warmed up in no time. This is a robbery. Give us all your stuff. All of it. We're the Gregory Gang. You've probably heard of us, and you know we ain't mucking about. Not a chance. Son, get him. Yes, Mother. Wrap him up, boys. <laughs> I've been roughed up. You beasts. Where's the money, you old bat? I'll never tell. Tell us. Never. Oh, go on. We've come all this way. 
and you won't see a single coin. Right, boys, place this old woman's bottom in the open fire. She'll tell us soon enough, I'll wager. I won't. Come here, you old hag. Get your hands off me. Oh, don't burn my mum. I'll tell you where it is. There's a good boy. Ha! What a weak-minded fool, cracking at the first suspicion that we might burn his elderly mum's bum. <laughs> we made off with £700. A very good night's work. Too good, in fact. It got us far too much attention, and the authorities were now dedicated to hunting down the dreaded Gregory gang. And they succeeded. Unless you are correct, sir. Gentlemen, I'm not sure this is the best idea. Should, should we really be drinking in a pub in Whitehall? Don't worry so much, Dick. What's the point in doing all that robbing if you can't spend some of it on a few ales? I think Dick's got a point, Samuel. What if the authorities know we're here? Thomas Hadfield, you're such a worrier. That's never going to happen. Hurry down. This is the authorities. You are all under arrest. Jasper, Jeremy, everybody, get them! Hadfield, with me, quick, this way. There's no way out, we are done for. We are not, follow me. You won't mess with the Gregory gang again, authority. Up on the window, we'll break our legs. And next? Nah, we find that now. Go! Oh. Legs don't fail me now! Oh. Take this, lawmen! You'll never take the Gregory brothers alive! Ah! Godspeed! Oh no! We've been taken alive! And that was the end of the Gregory brothers. They all got hanged a short while later. And what about Thomas Hadfield, hmm? The one that jumped out of the window with you? Ah, he decided that a life of crime wasn't his thing, and so we parted ways. The next time we met will be under very different circumstances. So that was the end of the Gregory gang? Indeed it was. In fact, there was only one other member of the gang still getting up to no good. Thomas Mowbray. He and I took to robbing stagecoaches as they passed through Epping Forest. I had... At last, become the thing what everyone knows me for. A highwayman. Thomas Mowbray, hmm? Got caught and hanged pretty quickly. After Mowbray got his neck stretched, I decided to work by myself a while. That is until I met another Thomas. Another Thomas? What's this, like the sixth Thomas? What can I say? Popular name in the early 18th century, obviously. A very old-fashioned name. Dated, you might say. You might say that um, the people named Thomas have long since died, and any that are left are pale shadows of a bygone age. But, of course, I would know nothing about that. Stand and deliver! Watch this, dog-eat-dog! You stand and deliver. I said it first. I don't care, mate. I'm Tom King, I am. Known to most as Captain King. I man. What? Captain King? I've heard of you. I am Dick Turpin, I woman. <laughs> what? I, 
Right on the charge. An eye ribbon, rubbing an eye ribbon. Oh my giddy on. Who would have thought it? This is very, very funny. No word of a lie, that is how Captain King and I went into business together. We set up in an old abandoned Iron Age fort in Epping Forest, and we never even paid the English Heritage membership. There was a cave nearby, what we could hide in, and still get a clear view of the road. Those were the golden days of my career there. Staying up late, swapping stories of old women we'd fed into fires, sleeping in a nice gold cave, fresh air, open fires, good companionship, and crime. <sighs> this takes us to 1737, doesn't it? It does indeed, it does indeed. Such was my notoriety by this point that local peddlers started carrying weapons to defend themselves as they travelled the forest roads. The bounty on my head was raised to £100, which was very, very flattering. I mean, you stole the horse of a certain Mr Major. Correct. As it turned out, Mr Major wasn't the type to cut his losses. He had pamphlets published describing his horse in an attempt to get it back. Brown, four legs, two ears, eats hay. We didn't have a chance. Dick, we gotta move that horse we stole from Major on. Things are getting hot around here, thanks to those pamphlets. Tell you what, Tom. You go and get the horse from the inn. I'll wait here for you. And when you get back, we'll take it north. No one knows us up there. We can start afresh. And no one will guess that we're from the south of England. Sounds like a plan. Right, wait here. One horse coming up. Hello there. Just come to pick my horse up. Which one's that then, sir? The black one, just there. Bottom store. That one, eh? Ooh, she's a fine beast. She is indeed. Had her a long time. Have you? You sure about that? You haven't instead come into owning her very recently? What are you suggesting, fella? I'm suggesting that this horse, in fact, belongs to a certain Mr Major. Seize this man! It is I, the authorities. Don't move, you're under arrest. It's a trap! Dick, help! I'm oh, Christmas Eve. Get your pistol out of my chest, sir. No chance. You tell your boys if they take one step closer, I'll blow you to kingdom come. Even a flintlock pistol can't miss from here. Dick! Dick, are you helping or what? You wouldn't dare pull that trigger. I think he might. You think right. Ah! Oh, hang on. I'm not dead. Last, a flash in the pan. Ha! All back, no bullet. Come here, you. Take your hands off, man. Turpin, get over here. Don't worry, Tom. I'll save you. You shot me. You shot me in the belly. Oh, whoops, sorry. Hang on, I'll try with the other one. Oh no, I've shot my friend by accident. Twice. That's Dick Turpin! Get him! Guess that's my cue to make like a tree and depart extremely quickly. Yoink! You shot Tom King twice. In the stomach and the chest. Then ran away. Yeah, yeah. Not my uh, best rescue, I will concede. It could be said, Mr Turpin, that you shot him deliberately, just so that you could escape. Well, oh, 
what? No, no, that's not like me. Honest Dick Turpin. I was aiming at the authorities. Honest. It was a terrible, terrible, accidental, awful shame. That horse was lovely, though. What did you do next? A career such as mine makes a man cautious. I couldn't risk going back to any of my previous hideouts. I knew King hadn't died instantly. No. In fact, he lasted about a week, told the authorities everything, and said some very unflattering things about your character. Well, there you are, then. There was too much risk that he might tell the authorities where to find me. And so, with nowhere else to go, I travelled north, through Lincolnshire, into Yorkshire, I went. No one up there knew I was, so I became John Palmer, session bassist and honest-to-goodness horse trader. Honest? Nah, completely dishonest. I stole the horses and then sold them. Sometimes I stole horses and sold them straight back to their owners. Idiots. And that's when you moved to uh, Bruff, yes? Near Hull, East Yorkshire. Well, and actually, I had lodgings at the Green Dragon Inn. It was all going quite well until one night, after a failed hunt and too many conciliatory ales. In the dandy argument that you're too scared to mention, I spent my cash on looking flash and grabbing your attention. Landlord! Your attention! Landlord! Give me another ale! Now! <laughs> now then, John, I think you've had enough. Enough? I'll tell you when I've had enough, you stupid. Stupid head, yeah, 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 that told you, yeah. I've a good mind to come round the other side of that bar and give you a right good hiding. Well, I don't think you can see straight enough to do that, you lush. I can't lie now. I promise you, sir, my eye has never been better. Observe! <laughs> oh, Mr. Beaky! Oh, you shot me best Gamecock! Yeah, yeah. I'll argue you a taste in the same in a minute. Literally a minute once I've reloaded. Hang on, hang on. Nearly. Nearly. I'm going to shoot you right in your game. Right, I've had my fill of you. Take that. Oh, that for Mr. Beaky. Yeah, that got me arrested. Not my proudest moment, it's true. And seeing as I did have no money on me at the time, the authorities could not trust me not to run away, which I almost certainly would have done. Ah, uh, yes, you were committed to the House of Correction while they looked into who you were. It started unravelling pretty quickly after that. Inquiries into my character soon turned up a long list of complaints against session bassist John Palmer for sheep and horse rustling. Which is when they transferred you to the debtor's prison in York Castle. Correct. I'm not ashamed to admit that by this point I was starting to get a bit worried. Horse theft carried the death penalty, so if they convicted me I'd be off for a date with the hangman. What did you do? I needed an alibi. And so I wrote a letter to my sister Dorothy's husband, a chap by the name of Pompa Rivenel, who still lived near where I grew up in Hampstead. All he had to do was say that he knew me and that I was nowhere near them horses when they got stolen. And did he? He did not. Someone knocking on my door at this hour! Who the devil are you? Letter for you, sir. A letter? Yep. Sixpence, please. Sixpence? I'm not giving you sixpence. Who's it from? Um, says John Palmer, sir. 
come all the way from York. John Palmer! Never heard of him! Go away! So you didn't get an alibi over a sixpence? Oh, it gets worse than that. The postie then took my letter to the postmaster, a bloke by the name of James Smith. Enter! Postmaster, Mr Rivenall refused to pay the postage on this letter from John Palmer. Did he now? Let me take a look at it, young man. Hmm. Uh, I know this writing. You know John Palmer, sir? <laughs> no, no, never met him in my life. However, the person who wrote this letter is not called John Palmer. This is the handwriting of one Richard Turpin. You mean? I do. The notorious highwayman, Dick Turpin. But, but how? Simple. I was his teacher when he was young. I taught him to write. I think I'd best take myself to York and confirm it to the authorities. Plus, there's a £200 reward on his head these days, so that'll be pretty sweet. So that is ultimately what my life was worth. Sixpence. The old codger travelled up to York, confirmed who I was, took his £200 and cleared off. Meanest teacher ever. I hope he gets offsteaded into next week. And so you were tried as a highwayman? What? No. They'd already tried me as John Palmer at this point and found me guilty for horse theft. I'd already been sentenced to hang, in fact. I was moved to the condemned cells at York Castle, there to await the date of my execution. That must have been pretty grim. Oh, it wasn't so bad. They used to let people pay a penny to come and gawp at the famous Iwoman. I never longed for company. In the build-up to me big day at the gallows, my dear father tried to have my sentence commuted to transportation, which might have been nice, a foreign holiday, a penal colony, but the authorities were having none of it. There was no escaping it. I was getting hanged. Saturday, 7th of April, 1739. That's the one. I was taken to York, Tyburn, about a mile up the road from the castle. And what they do is they make you sit on your own coffin with the noose that will hang you around your neck. Then they drive you on the back of a horse and cart all the way to the gallows. Quite a show. I'll give them a show, I did, to be fair to me. I bought myself a nice new pair of clothes. I even hired some mourners to come and sort of weep and wail and do Coldplay numbers behind me on the way. And I sat in my coffin blowing kisses to the crowd and occasionally beatboxing the entire journey. And then when I got there, I got one final surprise. As I live and breathe, Dick Turpin. Thomas Adfield. Stand the crows. The last time I saw you, we had just dived out of a window. So, you dancing the hangman's jig with me today, are you, son? I'm not here to be hanged, Dick. You're... you're not? Nah, mate, I'm doing the hanging. What? You never are. I am. Turns out not a lot of people want to be hangmen. So they're using criminals now, yeah. You get the choice of hang your mates or get hanged yourself. So, uh, I chose... you know... Nah, nah, don't blame you, mate, don't blame you. Right then, so uh, how do we do this then? Well, if you just climb this ladder. God, blimey, well, look, you look at that, mate. My leg's gone all shaky. How embarrassing. Don't worry, mate, I've seen much worse. You're doing really well. Here we go. And you just give the end of the rope to the topsman. This chap at the top with me, is it? Hey, yeah. 
Nice view up here, isn't it? Yeah, no, lovely, mate. Yeah, so, yeah, there you go, sir. That's for you. Thanks. He ties it around the bar. Just like that. And then I turn you off the ladder. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. What for? I can't be hanging around too long, dick. <laughs> that was in very poor taste, Adfield. You and I once jumped out of a window together. That used to mean something. I'm just saying that you don't want to stretch this out too much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you get it? Oh, you are a bad, bad man. Oh, I nearly forgot. Um, Dick, it can take a while. Up to 20 minutes. 20 minutes? Yeah. So if I were you, I'd, I'd throw myself off, try and break your neck. All right, just sort of launch myself. Launch into eternity. That's what we call it. Dangling from the deadline, never grave. Shut up, you're not helping. Sorry. Oh, one more thing. Um, Either way, broken neck or not, you are going to poo yourself. Well, Thomas, in that case, I am glad you are the one that gets to keep my clothes as your payment. Enjoy them and the massive breakfast I had this morning. Thanks. Right, best be off then. Yeah, yeah, you had, uh, we're going to get a queue. Yeah, 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 right, right, off I go. One, two, three, four. Come on, mate, want me to turn the ladder? Don't you touch that ladder. I, c I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. One, two, three. Oh, nearly. Not quite broken. Oh well. It took me, in the end, about five minutes. Which, to be fair, could have been a lot worse. And what happened after that? How am I supposed to know? I was dead. Of course. How foolish of me. Interview ends 1739. Thank you, sir. Thank you for your time. That is it. It is indeed. Off you go. You can step this way, Mr Turpin. Hang on. What did happen to me after? Uh, you were put on display, you sir. Put on display? Oh, it was very common at the time. They took your body to the cellar of the Blue Boar pub on York's Castle Gate. The landlord charged people to see the famous highwayman. <laughs> you can actually have a pint down there to this day. <laughs> well, not at the time of recording, but, you know, hopefully you'll be able to soon. Oh, please let it be soon. I just want to go out. Oh, right. Then you were buried in St George's Graveyard in York. Though there were a few incidents of people trying to dig you up. So they filled your grave with lime. Or at least that's what we heard. Ah, melted. Classy. Thank you for your time, though, Mr Turpin. Whoa! I'll be off then. Bye, then. That was interesting, wasn't it? Not bad for a first episode, I suppose. But, but what about Black Bass and, and all that? And the, and the midnight ride from London to York in one night? Didn't happen, Bob Bob. All comes from a novel called Rockwood by William Harrison Ainsworth. What we heard there was the real deal. Turpin was a piece of work, though, wasn't he? Bit of a thug. You're not wrong, Tombo. I certainly wouldn't want to meet him in a dark alley. I bruise like a peach. That's the start of season two, listener. Hope you liked it. And if you didn't... Well, we are the Silly History Boys. And as ever, we are sorry. sorry.
History Boys episode 24 or season 2 episode 1 or Highway to Hull, the true tale of Dick Turpin was written, produced and performed by the silly History Boys. The parts of DCI Bilbo, Sausages Man, Oxen Minion One, Foppish Servant of the Earl of Suffolk, Jimmy Shelley, Thomas Hadfield, The Authorities, Pub Landlord and James Smith, Postmaster Extraordinaire, were performed by Will Uncle Bilbo Tristram. The parts of D.I. Tombo, John Turpin, Oxen Minion 2, Jasper Gregory, Widow Shelley, The Authorities, Tom King and The Postman were performed by Tom Tombo Furmore. The parts of Norfolk Smuggler, Oxen Man, Samuel Gregory, Thomas Morris, Stable Man, Pompa Rivenal and The Topsman were performed by Stu the Pear Bear Perry. That's me! Hello everyone! Woo! It's season two! We're back! The part of young Dick Turpin was played by Harry Hazmat Pear Bear. And finally, last but not least, the part, just the one part of Dick Turpin was played by Rob Uncle Bob Bob Bond. Ooh, he was the main star this week, didn't he do well? Pat yourself on the head, Bob Bob, and the back and wherever else you fancy. Dealer's choice. We would like to thank the fabulous folks at zapsplat.com for the sound effects and music that we used in the show. We'd also like to thank Scott Buckley. He gave us a few songs to use as well, thanks. Well, I say he gave them to us. We actually just you know download them off his website and use them. But he says you can on the website, so we're not being naughty. And as ever, thanks go to Rob Lord Fastfingers Tristram for our theme tune and for the Forrester's Ditty that you heard in the show today. Uh, finally, please leave us a review, folks, on your chosen podcast platform. Reviews help us get you know more people to notice us, and then you know, we can carry on making these shows, and you know, one day, maybe even do it as like a proper job. <laughs> nah, that'll never happen. Um, you could also send us an email at sillyhistoryboysshow at gmail.com. I hope that's right. I'm just recording this off the cuff haven't even checked and finally and well really the biggest thing you can do to help us is tell someone about our show just tell one other person and then they can tell one other person and they can tell one other person and then that person might tell two people and then they tell two people and before you know it we have dominated the world <laughs> season two